It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, with a thumping volley. And he wakes right at the last. Lamella! Steering by Alderweireld. And he saved it. Hugo Lloris. The Tottenham captain delivers when his team really needed it. Ericsson just in brilliant. That is absolutely stunning from Christian Ericsson. Welcome back to the last word on Spurs. We're back for a big, big show here. Tottenham Hotspur back to winning ways after that thumping win against Crystal Palace at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And that was followed up by a wonderful Sunday for us, which saw that South London club somehow throw a couple of points after bottling a 2-0 lead. And also the Spurs women getting their first professional win of the season. So fantastic for them. That is covered in the show by our correspondent now, we'd like to say, in Anna from Spurs XY. But on this show, we are absolutely delighted to welcome back the Tottenham Hotspur legend, Mickey Hazard. Joining Mickey, we're also pleased to... Also, welcome back to the show, Lucy Jones, the voice of ITV2. Of course, Lucy, a very popular broadcaster as well. And also, not last but certainly not least, we've got the brilliant John from Lily White Rose back on the show as we review that great win against Crystal Palace on Saturday. <laughs> Time he scored against Palace in his 
Mick, I'm going to start with you. Delighted to have you back on the last word on Spurs. Jokingly, Maurizio Pochettino said he'd throw a party when the European transfer window closed. And he did just that against Crystal Palace. Sergio is certainly making a statement. Definitely by far Spurs' best first half performance of a season in which I can remember for quite a couple of years. What did you make, Mick, of that thumping win against Crystal Palace on Saturday? Um, first of all, um, it was a great party at Potcher's house, <laughs> Ce- celebrating the end of the window. Um, but no, the performance in the first half was as good as we've played for two years. Um, you know, it was full of um, quality. Wherever you looked, every player seemed to be at top form. Uh, the passing, the crispness of the passing, the, the speed and tempo of the pass. Um, obviously, you know, I always say if you pass the ball slowly, you burn up the space of your the person you're passing to. So if you zip it into him, he's a good player, you can control it. Zip it in, you don't burn any of his space. Um, also, the timing of the movement that, you know, I always say that when when teams are defending deep and the, and the, and the um, double banking, um, it's important that you get movement, but it's got to be late movement so that they're not picked up. Because if you get in there too early, you just get picked up and uh, I always say leave the space that you're running into free. Move somewhere else that you're not going to be looking to get the ball and then, and then burst into the space late. And if you look at our goals, they all come on the end of a great... You take the, the cross that Aurea scored uh, made for Son's second goal. Um, it, it was rolled into Aurea's uh, run. He come onto the ball. He's whipped it in and, and Son's coming in at the far post to... Um, smash it in and then the same with Aries the movement was timed to perfection not too early and not too late but just perfect and when we play like that I feel like we are capable of beating any team in the world so it was a first class performance Mick just to extend on what you're saying there just how much of an impact did that have for the squad with that window closing Maurizio does know his team now and it was well documented that he held an hour meeting with the players do you think that now everyone is on side everyone is refocused and you know he's ready for the season ahead yeah well first of all let me say that you know I think that um, anybody that allows transfer rumours or activity to affect um, their performance or their commitment to the club is wrong um, the club is the first priority, and while you're paid and work for the club, then you should be given um, 100% uh, effort and 100% mental time too, um, and not not let um, rumours and, and um, activity affect you. You know, I've, I've played with lots of great players who moved on, and uh, and I, I can't ever recall them uh, worrying about something that had affected their form. Um, so. That's out the way, but obviously I think that it did. I think there was a um, in modern day football the window maybe uninjures players, it makes them think, um, "Am I going to move to Real Madrid? Am I not?" Um, and maybe unsettles them. Also makes the job difficult for the manager with regard to team selection. Does he pick um, Ericsson, for instance, who might be going to Real Madrid the following week? 
um, and leave out a player who's committed to our cause. So I, I understand why it unsettles the manager because he, he becomes uh, quite a complicated situation for him in trying to keep players happy um, that, 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 and, and making other players unhappy, yet the one you're keeping happy might be leaving the following week. So, yeah, but once the window closes, you can see the reaction yesterday. There was, there, there was happy faces uh, all over the pitch, um, all in the stands, because the, the, suddenly we all knew that this was our squad, certainly until January. And, um, and the difference in performance was quite staggering, really, as against the Newcastle performance. Um, and it's quite sad, really, in many ways that, you know, if we'd beaten Newcastle, we'd be talking about what an unbelievable start to the season it's been. You know, we're one that one one performance away from having an unbelievable start, not just a, a good start, an unbelievable start. You know, going to City, going to Arsenal, taking points, um, and winning your three uh, home games would have been an incredible start. So disappointing, um, but hey, it was great to watch yesterday. I've got to say, it was a, a absolutely tremendous first half in particular. Yeah, Sunday's not been bad even because it. Sunday's been a good day. Um, obviously, <laughs> yesterday wasn't too bad. We win, Manchester City, City lose. I know Liverpool won. And then, of course, um, there's a team from South London playing today. And they um, they were turning up at half-time and, uh, and they they uh, ended up drawing. So, you know, I turned it off at 2-0. Um, I, I didn't look at the text. I didn't look at the results. I, I, was, I was a bit fed up. And then um, I got told... Just after the game ended, that it ended in a draw, so that that made today perfect. Indeed, John, how's your Sunday been? You enjoyed it, mate. It's been absolutely phenomenal. As I said to you earlier, Rick, I, you know sometimes you make those promises to yourself. So I saw that Arsenal were two up, and I just said to myself, look, if they can get back into it, I'm going to hit the beers. I've got a few in the fridge, <laughs> and uh, and lo and behold, Watford did. And then I spoke with you and uh, had a few black coffees before coming on air. So I've, I've had a great Sunday, mate. Um, just seeing Arsenal drop points at a game, you know, they expected to win. Watford have been very poor this season. I know they've had that new manager bounce and that can sometimes have a positive influence. But when they were two up, to see Arsenal throw that game away, coupled with the injury to Lacazette, I mean, we might see Arsenal's season finished by the end of October. I mean, how great is that going to be? <laughs> and then you talk about, you know, forget Arsenal for a moment and let's talk about us. Yesterday, we were fantastic. It was great to see everything about the day. You know, we got into the stadium. There was a real positive energy. The team obviously responded to that. And there was some good selections and, and brave selections from Maurizio Pochettino, bringing in Serge Aurier, who obviously played fantastically well. Probably the best I've ever seen him play for Tottenham, actually. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised. And, and you know, we as, as fans, we can have players we like and, and don't like, etc. But if they put in a good performance for the team, I now want to see every single Tottenham fan get behind Serge Aurier and let's, you know, let's see what he can do from now till January. Hopefully he cements the right back position for himself and, um, and, he, and he does really well moving forward because that's what we want at the end of the day. We want good results from Tottenham and, and players giving their all for the club and he certainly did that yesterday. I was delighted with Sonny getting his first two goals of the season. I think that was standing really good stead for the number of games we've got coming up. I believe it's six more games in the next sort of 20 days. So it's a game every three days. So we are going to see a lot of the squad used and I expect quite a few players to come in on Wednesday against Olympiacos in that huge uh, opening Champions League game. Yep, indeed. We're going to come on to that later in the show. But that was much better from Tottenham, wasn't it? All that work was done in the first half of that game. They cruised somewhat in that second half, perhaps with that Champions League trip to Athens a couple of days on their mind. Luce, you was there watching that game. We'd like to have you back on the show. Tell us, did you enjoy that result against Crystal Palace? <laughs> I loved it. Thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, I told you earlier, I could have done with some air conditioning in the, in the uh, stadium yesterday. I'll be honest. <laughs> I was so hot. 
Um, but it just felt amazing, didn't it, sitting there? It just felt so relaxed. And I felt like the boys were just so in control. And I think, you know, the speed of us counter-attacking yesterday is up there with City. I'm really, really excited about what happens next. Gutted a little bit for Sonny not getting his uh, first hat-trick. Yep. But um, oh, I loved it. And then second half, we just sat back, didn't we? We settled in. We probably had Wednesday on our minds. Um, but, you know, I think Poch's heart-to-heart, as you said, it made a difference, didn't it? The, the focus was there and it was a kind of different team. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that, Luz, because I mean, I post on Twitter that it was an emphatic response from Tottenham to the rest of the Premier League and the whole of Europe saying, we are back. You know, whatever Pochettino did say in that well-documented meeting, I think clearly showed that the players are still in love with our Argentinian leader, aren't they, Luz? <laughs> yeah, and you know, a lot of people are now saying, oh, well, Harry didn't score. You know, what was that about? So, I, th- <laughs> I mean, of course he wants to score, but sometimes, you know, he, he was awesome yesterday. He, he he was still there, gave an amazing cross. You know, I think um, he'll be gutted, though, because there was four goals and one of them wasn't Hazard. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say it, because there wouldn't be too many occasions that Spurs score for and Harry isn't on the score sheet. Mick, the planet you are, and playing with a lot of legends back in the days, if you are Harry Kane, you've won 4-0 and you haven't scored, are you slightly disappointed, Mick? Um... Look, the team must always take precedence over individuals. Yep. Um, and I'm certain, knowing Harry as I, as I know him, he would be equally as excited about the victory and the performance as he was uh, if he'd scored the four goals. Um, but, of course, he would love to be on the score sheet. Um, you know, but he played, I actually thought it was one of the best games I've seen Harry play. I thought his passing was exceptional in that first half. Mm. He was responsible for a lot of the good older play, a lot of the changing of the play. One ball he pinged out from left to right was absolutely... He just faded it out there. It was wonderful. A couple of... In a, the great cross for the goal. He played a great role in the team performance yesterday, I thought. And um, if he'd got a goal, I think it would have been the complete centre-forward's performance. I thought he was brilliant. So, uh, there's, there's no need. It's great for the team that we have shown we don't need Harry to score goals. We can score goals without Harry um, because there'll come another day when it's close and it's nil-nil, we'll need a Harry goal. So when you're 4 nil up, it's not necessary to waste Harry's goals. Um, we need them when we're nil-nil. I agree with that one. Now, we've got some lovely tweets in here, which we're going to read out. And loads of questions too. Rob Kirkpatrick says, I'm not going to overreact about the result, but can we extend the entire squad's contracts? Pay them what they want. <laughs> Jason McGovern's favourite line there. And then Eddie Gomez follows up and says, no question for me. Just want to celebrate that win. Outstanding performance. Whatever Maurizio said to the players in last week's meeting must have turned the switch on onto the Champions League. Come on, you Spurs. And we definitely reflect on that mood, really. Mick, sticking with you, I want to ask you about the intensity of Tottenham's play because Ian Wright, although he's a gooner, he did come out with some interesting lines on Match Today when reviewing that game. And he said that the way Spurs started that game, that intensity is what really caused Palace to struggle. We've been able to deal with Tottenham's play. Do you think when we do start as fast as that, there's not many teams that can handle Tottenham? Oh, 100%. I mean, I think that what was evident yesterday and uh, and very apparent from the kickoff was the high press. Um, we put their defence under pressure straight from the off and they couldn't cope with it. And, and not many teams can when it's done correctly. Um, and then when you add it to the um, the crispness of our pass and the timing of our movement, the late movement, it almost became a complete performance. Um, so I, I agree with Ian, the, the intensity of the performances. You know, there was, 
going beyond the intensity, there was lots of smiling, happy faces on the pitch. Um, and whenever I see our boys um, smiling and they're happy, they play so much better. And it was almost like there was a weight took off their shoulders because the window was closed. Nothing was happening. So they were here till January and, and out they go. And uh, they just looked, the, the team and the players that we know that they are. Um, and uh, it really was a, a joy to watch. I mean, I was interviewed before the game in one of the lounges by Paul Coit, uh, along with Cliff Jones and Clive Allen. And Paul Coit said to Cliffy, he said, you know, prediction, uh, after giving a little analysis of, of how he thought the match would pan out, and Cliffy said he thought it would be one all. It's a very, very tough game. Clive Allen said he thought it would be very tough, but he thinks Spurs would nick it 2-1. And I actually said 4-0, um, which was incredibly lucky. Um, and a lot of people went and had a bet on it because I said 4-0. <laughs> uh, but they never gave me a drink, which was outrageous. I was going to ask you, have uh, you got the lottery numbers for Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so everybody in, the, everybody in the room laughed when I said 4-0. They all laughed. Um, they're not laughing now. No, they're not at all. Fantastic. Over to you, John, because I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of people talk about the high press. And where has it been, John? Where has this high press been that we've been missing? Because, like I said to Mick, when we start like that, there's not many teams that can handle Tottenham. I mean, the game was over in the first half, John. Yeah, I think a lot of it actually probably comes down to the fact that we say we've not seen it for a long time. And, and the period we've not seen it for stretches back into last season, doesn't it? Around December time, like that sort of when we destroyed Everton 6-2 at Goodison, you know, that was our pressing best. It could be something to do with the double training sessions and by the time of the latter stages of the season, we've not really seen it. And the start of this season, we've not really seen it. And that's come with sort of a change of formation and shape. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a pleasure to see yesterday. And, and as, as, as Lucy and Mickey and yourself have alluded to, when we do press like that, there are not many teams in the world that can deal with us. And I, and I say in the world because during Pochettino's time at the club, we've beaten Liverpool 4-1. We've beaten Manchester City 4-1 at the old White Hart Lane and 2-0 at White Hart Lane under Pep Guardiola when they hadn't lost yet. Yep. And we've also turned over Real Madrid comfortably. So when we do press like that, there are not many teams in the world that can deal with us. And look, you can't do it all the time. It comes about the energy on the day. Sometimes you, you just have all 11 players that feel really up for it and, um, and deliver a performance like that. I think yesterday we would have beaten anyone. And as soon as we scored that first goal... The, the Park Lane, the South Stand, it was like a, a carnival in there. You know, it was just noise. Everyone was really behind the boys. Everyone could sense that this was a, a real opportunity for us to start our season afresh. And, and we've done that. And, and no one else out of the top six has played two of the top six away already. Um, so for me, it's been a really good start to the season. We're sitting in third place now. I expect we're going to go on one of our runs now where we're going to pick up a lot of wins over this next sort of 20 days. Um, and it's just, it's, I'm just really happy and impressed with how things are going with the club at the moment. Yeah, it's funny what a week can do in football, doesn't it? It's, it is funny, but it's fantastic that we're in this position now. Loose question here from Aaron Pitters at Aaron Pitters, who says, having played so slow in the build-up against Newcastle and then so aggressively against Palace, do you think we should continue to play so direct against defensive-minded teams? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Look at us yesterday. As we said 100 times now, you know, we are up there with the best teams. I think it was it was awesome to see. It was a bit of a change yesterday, wasn't it? I feel like some positions were different, as Ian Wright did say. I mean, someone said that we had a bit of a sluggish start. I, I don't I saw that on Twitter yesterday. I was like, what? I mean, 20 seconds in, it we looked amazing. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can keep pressing like we did yesterday. And I'm actually really excited about what happens next because I think something's clicked, hasn't it? The focus, the speed, it was really exciting football. 
Yeah, it was. Sticking with you, lose A lovely finish from Tottenham Hotspur attacker Hummin Son started Spurs on their way as he collected the ball from Toby Alavira's beautiful lob over the top. He cut inside and fired it into the bottom corner to grab his first of the season and put Spurs ahead. Very much like his goal in the opening game at the new White Hart Lane Stadium. What a way to set us on our way, Luce. And uh, did you see the uh, Instagram and Twitter from Spurs yes. where they actually compared the two goals? They were exactly the same, weren't they? It was amazing. It was. And Toby, you still love him, Luce? That lovely ball over the top? Uh, how could I not love Toby? Even that hair <laughs> is perfection. Um, yeah, amazing. Great, great cross. They worked so well together. And Sonny just looked like he had, I don't know what he'd had before the game, but I want whatever he had. That's it. I agree with you. Mick, Sonny, when he's in that mood, you know, he, he's unplayable, isn't he? The way he's put Spurs on their way to that victory. I think he's one of the most exciting Premier players in the Premier League. You know when he's when he's on song. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> he, he looks unplayable. Um, he really looks unplayable. You know, you watch him cutting in from the right. I, I actually prefer him playing left because he's cutting in onto his right foot. Yesterday, he, his, his his first goal, he just spun the the defenders inside out, and uh, it was a bit it reminded me a little bit of the Ricky Vila '81 Cup final goal where he he, he jinked from the outside of the post across to the the centre of goals and then reversed it where he came from which is what Ricky did. He, he sort of cut inside to make the goal bigger. And that's what Son did. And, you know, it's it really is a special, special talent. And and that's from someone who had reservations about him when I first saw him play when he first arrived. I look at him today and I think the development that's happened with Sonny is absolutely incredible. And now I think he's a world-class footballer. Mm. It's well documented, isn't it, that Spurs came close to selling Sonny after that first season. But Maurizio, you know, was so glad he didn't because he's such a fine player. And what he's grown into now, Jot, his value, treble, quadruple, I don't know what he'd be worth now, but special player and adored by the supporters. And John, you know, he's scored more Premier League goals at home since the start of last season, 10 more than any other Spurs player. He loves playing at the new stadium, doesn't he? Yeah, he loves, he loves playing anywhere. He's just such a fantastic player. I truly think he's probably in the easily in the top 10 players in the Premier League. And back to your point of what he's worth, I went to Hotspur Way on Friday to watch the under-23s play. And there was an absolute army of Korean tourists waiting at the gates of Hotspur Way. I'm talking 100, 150 people, mm. all kitted out in the club gear, you know, just spending an absolute fortune on merchandise. And even, you know, I've seen some videos at the stadium yesterday of absolutely everybody with sun shirts on. I mean, the guy, not only is an elite-level footballer, in my opinion, in the top 10 in the Premier League, He's also a marketing dream, you know. So, so what is he worth? 100, 150 million? Mm. Um, easily for me. Um, and as I said, on top of that, I think he's an absolutely wonderful footballer. Um, so we're lucky to have him and I expect him to keep scoring all season. And a word on Toby for that ball over the top, John? Yeah, that was great to see. Something I want to see more of this season. You know, in his first year, we saw it a lot. I always remember that one he did at West Brom away where he played it over for Delhi Alley to chest down and score. Um, so something I want to see more of this season because... We know he's got it in him and it's a good outlet for us. Yeah. Just on the team itself, Mick, bringing it back round to you, we saw right-back Sergio make his first start of the season for Tottenham as Rose continued at left-back. We saw Alderun and Vertonghen at the heart of the Spurs defence with Eriksen, Sonny, Lamella and Kane leading the attack. Undenbele and Ali only fit for the bench. The one guy I think was spoken about beforehand was Serge Aurier. He took all the headlines and Mick, for that second goal, he hammered across into the box from the right. It got a wicked deflection off Patrick Van Aanholt, which took it into the back of the net. Just what an impact he made, Mick, on the day, Serge. And do you think Maurizio has said to him, now look, that right back spot is up for grabs. We heard him do an interview during that week before where he said, 
what competition at right back when he was asked about his potential to leave the club. Do you think he can get his head down now, Mick? Because there's definitely a decent player in there. We just haven't seen it consistently from Serge, have we? Yeah, I think that's the the, the operative word is uh, consistency. I think that there's certainly a player inside of him. Uh, and when, you know, what was great for me yesterday was Danny, Danny Rose was crossing from the left and Serge was picking it up on the right. Um, both fullbacks in the opponent's box. It was fantastic. And, but, it, you know, he's got a great capacity to get forward. Uh, he's another one who, when he, he gives us some width and some timing of movement, he was coming on when he came on for the goal for, um, who did he cross for? Sonny, was it, at the far post? Um, that was great ball from Ericsson in, into his run. Or was it Ari? One of the two. Uh, into, <laughs> I think it was Ari, into Serge's run and a great whip cross to the far post. What a goal. You know, and that's what he offers you going forward. I think that defensively, um, if he can not be so inconsistent or erratic, there's probably a better word than inconsistent. Sometimes you can see he can defend, but his, his eagerness to win the ball when it's not really in a winnable position um, leads to a lot of erratic tackles, bookings, and I always see a danger of penalties being given away. Uh, but I've got to agree on, on Saturday, he was outstanding. He scored. Um, his crossing into the box was the best quality I've seen him have. Um, it was almost like where Trippier at his best when he was whipping his crosses in. Serge was doing that. So, yes, the right back's up for grabs and someone's got to have the courage and the bottle to take it. What we must remember is none of them are in competition with each other. Um, they, they all play for the same club. Uh, and whoever's picked, uh, uh, the guys behind them's got to say, right, I've got to work harder to fight to get my place. Um, it's not a competition. We're all playing for the same club. So, uh, But he's the man in possession. And when you're in possession, you've got to be knocked out. And if your form's as good as it was on Saturday, you're going to be a very difficult animal to shift. So um, let's hope and pray that he keeps it because right back is a bit of a problem this season. You mentioned, Mick, there, what you were saying, the fact that it was so great to see Danny also on the left, you know, bombing down, putting cross into the box. Do you think we've really missed that? We speak a lot on the show of how much we have missed the fullbacks of Kyle Walker and that 2016 Danny Rose, where both of them, they were terrified defences, you know, going forward, especially at home and away, you know, from a counter-attacking perspective, teams didn't know whether to defend or attack Tottenham because they were fearful of just those fullbacks. Do you think, I look ahead now and maybe I'm getting carried away because of that result, when we have Ryan setting on fit, you've got Danny Rose and also you've got Serge Aurier, we've got some really exciting, pacey fullbacks potentially. Yeah, we have. I think if you look to 2016 with Walker and uh, Rose, I personally thought they were the two best attacking fullbacks in Europe. Uh, at that time and, and while maybe not the most uh, technically gifted uh, footballers um, as regards some um, they had pace to burn and, and, and had enough good technique to warrant being the best attacking fullbacks in Europe um, and, and obviously we, we let Kyle Water go I think he's been a bit of a loss um, but if Serge can come in and play the way he did on Saturday you won't miss any fullback because he was getting forward and hitting great balls into the box, scoring goals, but also he defended very well. And that's where I would like to see an improvement uh, in his overall game is to stop the erratic, and stop being so erratic. Um, his decision-making process has to be better um, so that the mistimed tackles don't happen um, and the diving in, uh, you, you know, stay on your feet um, because when you dive in, you can give a penalty away or a free kick that can lead to a goal. Um, but Saturday, I thought it was the best I've seen him play in a Spurs shirt. And certainly it was it didn't surprise me because I think that he's got it inside of him. 
He's got ability. He's got. He's good on the ball. He can cross. He's got pace. He can tackle. He can. He, he's a great header of the ball. He can jump. So there's lots of attributes there, but they've all got to be sort of guided in the right direction and then used cleverly rather than erratically. And then I think we've got a, a top-class fullback on, a, in a, on our hands. I agree with you there, Mick. Spot on. Now, we saw another surgery across from the right this time and Tottenham Hotspur attacker Hummin Son there in the back post with a sweet strike to put the host in complete control. Spurs were flying and loose. You must have loved that to go 3 nil up in that first half. That relief, you know, the game is in our hands. And the question I want to ask you, Luce, here, we've got in from Stephen who says, do you think Aurea could be this season's Sissoko? <laughs> Yeah, well, as Mickey was saying, you know, I, I completely agree with the erraticness. I always do get a bit scared by what he's going to do. But he hasn't played since Feb. So, you know, it was great to see him back. I loved seeing him celebrate with everyone. I loved that celebration on the pitch with Sonny. Oh, oh, as you said as well, the carnival feeling is so special, isn't it, in that South Stand? Um, yeah, great to see him back. And I think, yeah, you're right. Something is going to happen. I think he's going to be, yeah, I think he might be a bit of a Sissoko. There you go. John? Do you back him? Well, after yesterday, I do, yes. And, and obviously, you know, as soon as I've seen that commitment and that level of performance from him, yes. I mean, I've been his biggest advocate. To, you know, I was hoping he was going to leave the club this summer. I've made that clear on multiple occasions. For me, that first season when he conceded three penalties and only 16 starts, that's just not on, <laughs> not good enough. God, that does sound bad. Uh, you sound like that, John, to be honest. Well, it, it, that's just face up to facts, you know. Yeah, it's all yeah. good people telling you on Twitter he did this, that and the other for PSG when they play you know, at home to Cannes and Trois and they dominate teams. But Premier League's totally different and you know, you never get an easy game. And, it, and he was conceding penalties for fun in that first season. It cost us on multiple occasions. Um, but look, now that he's here, as with all the players, I will support them, get behind them. And, and I hope that I'm the one eating humble pie at the end of the season. And he is another for Sissoko and he wins us all round. And you know, we get some value out of him because he was £23 million. I, I understand the club would have accepted you know, maybe half of that to move him on this summer. Um, and that didn't go through. So, you know, let's get behind him. If he can keep performing like he did yesterday, then we've got a real player on our hands. We have indeed. Now, you know, another couple of questions in, or more statements, really. This is from Brooks, who says, do you, any of you remember my calling a couple of months ago about Aurea? Can we put some respect on his name? Well, goal and two assists, he hasn't done bad in the opener. I'd be interested to see now if he does go on to play against Olympiacos on Wednesday, which we're going to cover shortly. Um, Again, more questions about Serge, really. This is from Jonathan Webber, at Jonathan Webber 82 It says, do we think Aurea can be consistent, like Pochettino stressed? He looked good, much more of a threat than KWP. Um, we have seen after the game, Mick, the fact that Maurizio has said, you know, the most important thing now is for Serge to find that consistency because there's no doubt about it. You know, this guy played for PSG. You know, he has won trophies. So there's definitely a top player in there and it's up to Maurizio to get out of him, isn't it? And maybe it's a two-way street as well. Serge to also work to get better as a player. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, it's in there. He's got every attribute going. Um, if, if, if you break his, his talents down and you analyse them, he, you know, he's very quick. He's got a great change of pace. Uh, he can he can actually tackle when he's not diving in and being erratic. Uh, he's very very good in the air for someone who's not a particularly tall guy. Um, he can cross as he saw as we saw yesterday. His crossing was absolutely outstanding, and he scores the odd goal here and there from fullback, um, which is not something that Danny O'Kyle really did. Um, so the attributes are there, but it's channeling it all in the right direction and and and, and controlling the. 
the decision-making process in your head because ultimately it's that that controls what your feet do. Um, and if you're just diving in, then you're not using your brains. You know, my um, if I was coaching, I'd be working hard on saying, look, stay on your feet, be controlled. You don't have to win it first attempt. Um, you know, you, you can win it two seconds later, sliding it into touch. Um, but at times, he, he's, he's over-enthusiasm to win the tackle or to get the ball back leads him to giving silly fouls away in dangerous areas. And my advice would be, look, stay on your feet, be patient. The first art of being a good defender is to be patient and wait for the right moment to make your challenge. Um, and if he can develop that part of his game and keep on with the attacking side, then yes, I think... Um, uh, he, he's a player that we will benefit massively from. He'll solve a problem position this season. And Poch must be delighted that he's played him on Saturday and, and got the response that he would have hoped he would get. Um, so, yeah, Poch will now be thinking, wow, if we can work with this guy and develop, keep him developing and keep him focused and, and, and controlled, then we have got a player. Yeah, we have most certainly indeed. Well, guys, listen, we are going to go for a very quick break. When we are back, we are going to be discussing the impact of Eric Lamella so far this season. Another goal for him at the weekend. We're also delighted to say that Tottenham Hotspur ladies are off and running. The ladies got their first professional win this afternoon. And we're going to hear more from Anna from Spurs XY, who is going to be our correspondent for the season. Let's hear her thoughts as Tottenham did get their first win of the season for the ladies. Hello everyone, I'm Anna from Spurs XY and welcome back to the Spurs Women's segment here on The Last Word on Spurs. Today, Spurs played their first FA WSL home game at the Hive against Liverpool and we won 1-0. Very, very exciting day, debut day, obviously our first professional win, our first professional goal, our first professional three points, you know, you could list it on and on and on. Overall, the means it's a massive, massive achievement and it was a good day as well. So we were at the Hive today, it's a new ground for us to play in. It's obviously the home of Barnet FC and London Bees as well. It's really nice, it can have a much larger capacity than where we used to play, which was the Chesant. So it was really nice to go there. Um, there's parking and everything. It's just a really nicely put together little ground. It's actually really, really nice. The attendance today was 996, I believe, so just shy of 1,000. Hopefully we can encourage more people to get down there in the next couple games. Obviously playing Reading next week in the Conti Tires Cup. Um, I believe that's how it's pronounced called. Anyway, it's a cup game next week against Reading. But I'm getting carried away. I should be talking about Liverpool. So we won 1-0. Our starting lineup had only two players who were in the squad last year, and that is Anna Fibley, Ashley Neville. They're both defenders, Ashley being my favourite player. Um, and she played outstanding today, in my opinion. She and four, three others, so they were the four people who I would have highlighted today. So let's get into it. Um, we started off the game a bit slow. Uh, Liverpool actually quite fast, and they came out quite quickly, and they had a couple chances, or they, they just pressured us a little bit. Um, we, let's say, looked shaky. But we just didn't look that jailed together. But once things settled down a bit, we started to get back into the game. And it looked a lot better. So we definitely need some time to gel. Obviously, as I mentioned previously, we, we bought a lot of new players. We signed a lot of new people. And uh, it will take time for everyone to get used to each other. So that's perfectly normal. But as long as you can still grind out the results, then that's all good. And that's exactly what we did today. That's pretty much the theme of the game. Um, so the first half was... After Liverpool had their little chance, we were actually looking quite good. We created some chances. And overall, I think we had a lot more shots 
as well. I think we had 17 shots and I think we had five on target today. One on target, I think they had five overall. So um, the possession was 50-50, but we seemed to make most of it, which is good, obviously, as a home side, we had to do that. Um, but yeah, the first half was quite decent. Uh, it was getting a bit slow towards the halftime whistle. And I was actually thinking that maybe we should think about um, making some halftime changes. But then um, Rachel Furness was brought down in the box and we were rightfully awarded a penalty, which she took herself and started into the bottom corner. Lovely finish and exactly what we needed. A little pick me up right before halftime. And I'm really glad that that went into the back of the net. And that turned out to be the only goal of the game. But we still created plenty of other chances. The second half was a bit slow as well to some extent. Liverpool started again quickly, but then it, they slowed down as well. Um, I think we were just doing a little bit of game management. Also, Liverpool, one of the Liverpool defenders was absolutely silly. Um, Rosella Ayan ran through super fast. She was one-on-one -on -one almost with the keeper, except for this last Liverpool defender who just tackled her, totally missed the ball, straight red card and she was off. It was like 20 minutes left of the game, so we were playing against 10 men. We basically just passed it around. We never really stopped that much with the attacking, but we weren't like pushing for it. It's very similar to the men's game, actually, where we put we finished the game in the first half in a way, just not 4-0, but 1-0. So overall... Decent performance, obviously still loads to improve on, um, not that much high pressing and stuff, so I believe the fitness will still need to play a part, obviously that's what I highlighted from the Chelsea game as well last week, that we just didn't seem as fit as Chelsea, and I think obviously Liverpool aren't that good as Chelsea and some of the other um, teams, so very, very glad that we beat them, because this would, should be one of the games that we should be winning, so we did, which is great, and uh, and yeah, so I, obviously the game, there's still fair bit of the season to go, a lot of fitness and training to be done, but it's a very good start, it's important that we got three points, it's important that we won in front of a home crowd, so as I said it was a decent turnout, um, we did some singing and stuff, it was it was really fun, I really enjoyed it, it was a lovely day as well I must say, so um, if you couldn't come down then we're playing against Reading as I said in the cup next week at the Hive, feel free to come down, if not then you can watch it on the FA Player I think, there's, a, there's an app basically where you can watch the games, um, Check it on Twitter. I've, I've definitely retweeted it. If not, then the Tottenham Hotspur Women's Supporters Club know about it as well. So um, have a look around. If you fancy watching the games, you don't want to come to the Hive yet or you just can't make it, then there's definitely an app where you can watch all the, the matches and I can highly recommend that. So yeah, that's pretty much it for this little segment. Um, oh yeah, I wanted to mention who my favourite players were. So as I said, Ashley Neville played very well. She was really good on the right and on the left because she switched uh, throughout the game when we took Siri Worm off. And other than that, I must say, Gemma Davison once again was outstanding. She was really good against Chelsea as well. She was really good here as well. We're really, really used to useful player. Like, we're so glad. She's got so much experience as well. Uh, Peplo, Chloe Peplo was really good in midfield. She got stuck in. She distributed really well. And again, so more experience than just exactly what we need. And then the last player I mentioned already, Rachel Furness. She had a couple chances and obviously she got brought down for the pen. She stepped up and took it and sort of into back corner. And obviously that won the game for us. So um, I would say those were my four key players. And yeah, so hopefully I'll get to see you at a game at some point. And hope you enjoy this little segment and enjoy the rest of the show. Come on, you Spurs women. Luce, it's fair to say that player that always seems to polarise opinion is Eric Lamella, but he has made, quietly say, a, a fairly decent start to the season. You know, he's played all five games. Um, we've got his stats here. It's two goals and an assist. And I say another goal for him at the weekend against Crystal Palace. What did you make of his overall performance, Luce? You was there watching him. Why does he divide opinion so much for you? I don't know. I don't think he gets enough praise, to be honest. You know, if we didn't have Sonny, we didn't have Kane... 
he'd still score and he'd be good enough. Um, I don't really know what it's all about. I don't know why people don't appreciate him. I mean, that goal yesterday was awesome. Um, a lot of people are leaping to his defence now on Twitter as well, aren't they? Saying, where where will the haters gone? Um, he hasn't really been amazing, though, has he, recently? Since he came from Roma a few years ago. But, um, yeah, I think I think we, we're we going to see a different side to the middle of the season. I'm hoping for more goals. Mm. If we can find the pre-season Lamella on a regular basis, God, we're going to have a well-beater on our hands. John, <laughs> let's be honest about it. You know, it, it was a, what we've got to say first, I know Mick brought it up at the start. What a fantastic ball in the box from Harry Kane to finally Lamella at the back post who applied the finish. You know, Maurizio Pochettino is all about the collective and Eric Lamella's latest interview, if any of you guys have seen it, you know, it shows exactly why he is one of Tottenham Hotspur's most trusted players because it does seem... It's the Maurizio Pochettino factor why Lamella is always in the team. It's one of Maurizio's favourite players. But John, he's in the team on merit at the moment, isn't he? The way he's playing? Yeah, definitely. He started the season magnificently well, as he did last year. Um, You know, I I think why people get frustrated is is that he's been with us for seven seasons now. He costs £30 million and we've not had one consistent season. I know there's been injuries and there was one that kept him out for around 18 months. But we've never seen enough, have we? We've seen, you know, the opening 5, 10, 12 games and then it sort of peters out or an injury comes or his form dips. Um, It would just be nice if we could see a consistent season this year. And if he could get, say, 10 goals and 8 or 9 assists for us throughout the course of the season, that would go a massive way to helping us achieve our objectives. We all want him to do well. Um, I think he's a great little player. Um, and fingers crossed he delivers on a consistent basis this season mm, I agree with that one and, you know Mick you've already discussed Harry Kane's pass so what I want to ask you about Lamella is a question here from Spurs fans since 1992 who says is Lamella's real worth that he's one of the key players to our high press coming back 100% I was just about to say that when you uh, before you asked me um, Eric Lamella is, is, is actually if you watch him um, the one thing that he adds to our team is a tempo to his game even when he's not playing that well, um, but he, you can see he still and, and sometimes he, he overdoes it. He chases from one player to the next player to the next player instead of you know it has to be a lock on. Everybody locks on at the same time as I'm locking on to the the left fullback. The centre forward is locking on to the nearest centre back. The midfield, the right fullback's locking on to the left winger. The centre, the nearest centre back's locking on to the centre forward, and the midfielders are locking in there. Um, that's what the press is, so that no, there's no get out for them and and. and what Lamella does sometimes is he, he defeats the press because he chases from, he follows the pass and chases it across the pitch. And when it, that sort of defeats the press, but he does add a tempo um, to the closing down in our team. And that's the one thing that I really, really like about him. Sometimes I think to myself, come on, we need more urgency. Well, whenever you watch Lamella play, he always has an urgency to his game. Um, certainly without the ball, sometimes with the ball, I'd like to see him more urgent. Um, but without the ball, he has an urgency to winning it back, which leads him again often to giving away some silly free kicks and getting some silly bookings. And again, like Serge, if he can control that and, and channel it in the right way, keep the same tempo, keep the same urgency to his defending and closing down, um, but do it in a controlled manner too. Wow, it's, it's one of the best things that he gives to our team. People talk about his goals or his assists. For me, the best thing he does for our team is he, 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 he induces that urgency to win the ball back. I suppose the next question I'll ask you, Mick, following up is Alex Tobin, one who says, is this the year Lamella makes an impact or is it still too soon to be optimistic that it can go the full season? Like John says there, I think a lot of it's to do with Lamella's consistency, which does seem to frustrate supporters. Would you agree, Mick? Um, I'm, 
Listen, I think it's sometimes you, you know you have to look beyond mm. the performance and you have to look at reasons why the performances are what they are. Um, he's had lots of injury problems and, and he's never really been a, a complete regular. You know, he's in competition with Deli Ali, Ericsson, Son. Um, you know, you've got Celsor and so he's not a he, he's not been a regular. I, I agree. Last season he. He started quite a lot of games at the start and was quite consistent. And he has this season and he looks good. So, and, until he plays every game, we'll never know whether he can uh, sustain the form that he's in. Um, so, it's it's quite hard to judge him because of that. Now, when we judge Ericsson, for instance, we know Ericsson is going to play 45 games a season, 46, 47. Um, so, we know that within that, we have to, it, there'll be some form of consistency because he's he's playing at the um, in the first team and he's got the match sharpness week in, week out. Lamella sometimes, he'll get left out and it'll be three weeks before he gets another game. And in that three weeks, he'll be training hard, but it's nothing like playing. So you lose a little bit of match sharpness and match zip. Um, so when he comes back in, he's maybe off a yard off the pace. And consequently, we'll, we'll sort of, his form will dip just a little and, and it'll look worse than it actually is. So it's hard to judge him. Um, I sincerely hope that because he's a really, really lovely guy. I got so much time for him as a guy. I sincerely hope that he gets a great run in the side and, and finds the level of consistency to actually hold down his place. Because at the minute he's the man in possession, he's delivering the goods. He scored a couple of goals. He's created a couple. Uh, he, he, he's adding an urgency to winning the ball back. So yes, um, he's made a good start, but is he going to stay in the team long enough to see whether he can sustain that start or not? I do not know. Just before I bring Lucy in, I've got to ask you, Mick, what you said there about him being a lovely guy. Do you think as supporters, because we're so focused on watching him every game, performances, we don't take into account the human element because of the amount of injuries he's had. He's been really unlucky, hasn't he, in his time at Tottenham. It hasn't gone all his way. You know, that, those hip injuries, we saw his comeback, his rehabilitation. That was a really hard time for him as a player. And like you said there, he's such a nice guy off the pitch. You almost want him to do well even more because of that. Absolutely. I've got to say that, um, you know, when I was down at the training ground with my, uh, after I'd snapped my Achilles, you know, he sat with, he come up to me, talked to me, asked me about my Achilles, to ask me how it was, asked them all the questions, and, and sat, yeah. and I thought, wow, what, you know, I've spoken to him obviously numerous times in the past, um, and every time I see him, hello, how are you? He's a really top night, top guy. He's very much like the Argentinians that I've played with, and, and Poch and, and and his his staff. They're all, they they're, they're all people, persons. You know, they 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 mix very well. They make you feel special. I know Ozzy, Ozzy has a, a an ability to make me feel like I'm a, I'm a king. Um, <laughs> and and when I meet Porch, I feel the same. I feel like he's he's read up on my history. He knows everything there is to know about me. And you know, like three days before the Champions League final, I was on crutches when I visited the the training ground to watch training. He came over and he put his arm around me, cuddled me, asked me how my foot was. I told him, yeah. He said, are you going to be fit for the game Saturday? Champions League final. I said, Poch, I said, you know fine well I'm going to be. He said, you're just like Harry Kane. You, you always tell me you're going to be fit when you're not. Brilliant. You know? But that's the warmth of the guy and that's what Lamella's like. The Argentinians seem to have a, a trait that they can make people feel good. Mm. Um, the good man managers, they treat people... Um, the way you feel you should be treated. And and Lamella, I, I can't sing his praises high enough. I'd love to see him a massive success for our club, not 
one because he's a lovely guy, but also because it would benefit the club that I love. So um, my I root for him every time I see him play. Um, but he does add something good to our team too. Love it. No, I absolutely love that. And Luce, bringing you in, it's not often you hear an opposing manager come out and actually be honest about the opposition in terms of Spurs, how they played. But Roy Hodgson was very honest. He admitted that Spurs outplayed Crystal Palace and in particularly, Hummin Son's performance really caught his eye. He said Son's performance in the first half was outstanding. It was also interesting in the last couple of minutes, he was the one sprinting back into possession to try and stop us to score. Technically, Spurs were very good and the quality of their passing from their two centre-backs was outstanding. But probably they won't get the credit for that because they're centre-backs. I mean... Luce, that just tells you how good Tottenham were. Even the Crystal Palace manager had to sing our praises high <laughs> after the game. Yeah, he said he was gutted, didn't he? Um, Palace are usually pretty difficult to break down their mm. way, aren't they? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're going to be gutted looking at that because I guess the second half, they they were much stronger, weren't they? I mean, I think it's because we probably sat, sat back a bit, as we said. Mm. We've got Wednesday on our minds. Um, we took a foot off the gas ahead of uh, the Olympiagos game. Um, yeah, I think... Managers have got to look at us and be frightened. They've got to be, right? I think so. Definitely. I, I definitely think so. But a question I've got to ask you here, Luz. This is from Joe at Lily White Life. Somebody's Twitter handles are brilliant. Um, <laughs> do you think Potter solidified Mora as a super sub in brackets when all are healthy? And is that a good thing? Thoughts on that, Luz? Are you surprised that Mora hasn't really had a look in the last couple of games? Yeah, I mean... I remember speaking to one of the girls that runs a Liverpool podcast and she said she's terrified when uh, Mora's on the bench because it's like a little, it's a weapon. Mm. <laughs> it, you know, it's frightening to think we've got him to bring on. It's its amazing. Um, yeah, I, I want to see more of him though. I, I absolutely love him. Um, I think people were kind of shocked that we haven't really used him much since that amazing City game. But um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see what happens with Mora. But I love the fact we've got him. We've yeah. still got him as well. Agree. John, thoughts on Coco? And do you want to see more of Mora? Yeah, hopefully for Eric Lamella, we, we hope this is a, a turning point and we do see those consistent performances I mentioned earlier because if we do, that's another, you know, real strong attacking option for us in our squad. Um, and, and on Mora, I, I absolutely love Lucas Mora. I think he's a really top draw player. Um, I always ask myself the question, is he better than Son, Deli Ali, Eriksson and Harry Kane on form? For me, no. But all big clubs have these options uh, and there's not a time when, when all those players are always fit. So, for different reasons and substitutions late in games and the amount of games we actually play, um, it's vitally important we have players of that same ability who can come in. And I class Lucas Mora in that level with, with those four I mentioned. Mm, I agree, completely agree. Before we move ahead to Olympiacos in the Champions League, a crazy staggering stat out there from John O'Blaine, who put out that tweet at the weekend and said, Tottenham's first home Premier League Saturday 3pm kickoff at White Hart Lane since the 5-0 win against Swansea in December 2016. But obviously, John, part of that was because he was at Wembley for a period. But that's a staggering stat, isn't it, that one? Yeah, it's really staggering. And for the old traditional types, they love their Saturday 3 o'clocks and... <laughs> um... You know, and and for me, yeah, me personally, I quite like a Saturday three o'clock as well. So we obviously like three o'clock. So if you said we did Swansea five nil the time before and four nil yesterday, we've got a few coming up actually. I think the Southampton game coming up is a three o'clock Saturday. Um, with us being in the Champions League and playing on those Tuesday and Wednesday nights, we will see more Saturday games while our neighbours down the road will be uh, stuck on Sundays, hopefully dropping more points. Love it, John. Love that little dig in there. Well, let's do it. Let's look ahead to Tottenham Hotspur's first Champions League game of the season. We've got Olympiacos to come on Wednesday night. Now, I'm going to start with you, Mick, because this Olympiacos side we're facing, you know, 
they've actually made themselves a really good start to their domestic campaign. They've got a 100% win record in the league so far. They've won all three of their opening games in the Greek Super League, including a 5-0 win over Volos on Saturday. That game followed two 1-0 wins, meaning that Olympiacos are yet to concede a goal in the league so far this campaign. It could serve as a tough test. Thoughts going into it, Mick? We're going to win it full stop. Um, <laughs> no if pressure. We, if, if we play um, anything like we played in the first half on Saturday, we'll win. If we, We'll win comfortably. If we play anything like we did in the second half on Saturday, we'll win too. Um, we're a better side. Um, we've got better footballers. Um, so, of course, shocks happen in football. And I'm always prepared for them to happen too. But um, I just don't know how they beat us. We are a, a top team. Um, you know, we're coming out from the Champions League um, final last year. We, we will go there full of confidence. Saturday will have enhanced that confidence. Um, suddenly, the, the picture will be a lot clearer of what we need to do to play at our best level because we've produced it on Saturday and, and there's only one result possible not taking into account that you can hit the ball 15 times in a game and the post 10 times and lose 1-0 mm. uh, on their first shot so yeah a shot like that can happen but I just can't see it with this team our team's looking looking like we've got goals from all over the park now um, so yeah we'll be coming on with three points as far as I'm concerned I love, love that optimism, Mick. Lucy, do you join Mick in that optimism that we're going to get the job done over Olympiacos? Yeah, I mean, they haven't conceded one goal this season so far. And I know it hasn't been very long, but um, I think it's tough to go away. You're any team. So, yeah, I do love Mickey's optimism, but I am slightly frightened. I don't know why, but maybe it's gone Spurs fan. That's it. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be normal. optimism, guys. It's confidence. I love it, Mick. <laughs> That's why you're here. That is why you are here, Mick. The confidence that we love on this show. John, thoughts going into it. I mean, listen, Spurs' run last season, it took us all the way to the final. We just need to go one final step more and we've finally got over the line, John. Well, that's a long way off, Mick. Uh, Ricky, let's, let's, um, let's calm down on that I'm, I'm just now. sharing Mick's confidence. <laughs> I can see. That's why I called you, Mick, for a minute there. <laughs> I know. I'll tell. tell. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just to just stagger expectations a little bit, Olympiacos at home have a great uh, European record historically. Many clubs have gone over there, good clubs and lost over the years. Um, so we'll need to be, be careful of that. But I see the group a bit like this. If we go there and win, we're sort of halfway to qualifying. If we go there and get that three points in their away game, mm. um, considering we've got a double header against Red Star Belgrade, I think that'll put us in a really good platform to progress from the group early on and avoid that scenario of needing to go to Bayern Munich in the last game and needing something. So I think it will be a hard game. Uh, I'll probably go 2-1 Tottenham. OK, fantastic. John's gone very early with his prediction. But what we want to obviously talk about is Maurizio's comments because after that game against Crystal Palace and bringing it up to the Olympiacos game, he says that we have tremendous quality in our squad and if we show that every game for sure, we'll be fighting for big things. It does seem, Mick, that there's still a burning desire amongst Maurizio to really finally get some trophies over the line. I think for all that domestic progress he's made, getting Spurs into a top four team established now it has to be said Tottenham are up there as a top four team season upon season Mick he just needs do you feel that trophy now to really kind of rubber stand what's been a fantastic period in for our lives of him being at the football club um, look, look I've got not a shadow of doubt in my head that 
Pochettino wants to win trophies. Um, and he's desperate to win trophies because in his, certainly in his managerial career, he's never won one. Um, so he's desperate to get the first one out of the way to get that uh, off, off his shoulder. Um, and he will win one. And he'll win, he will win one for Spurs. And it's coming very soon. Um, now, the, the problem with domestic football is that there's, there's only three teams can win a trophy. There's the League Cup, the FA Cup and the Premier League. So... We've got some massive clubs in our country, Manchester City, Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea. Big clubs that are big clubs in Europe and world football. So only three teams can win. And often when you're the best team, you tend to win two of the three as well. So that means it possibly only goes to two clubs. So it's very, very difficult to win trophies. Um, so make, not, make no bones about it. Not just because we're a good side are we entitled to win trophies. There's also there's an element of luck involved in, in getting over the line. You'll have that game where you don't play well, but you manage to nick a 1-0 win. And, and that plays a part in getting you over the line later on. Um, and, and as I said, as I've said in numerous occasions in the past, this team, under this manager, I genuinely feel that when we do get over the line for that first trophy, a bit like back in 81, 82, 84, mm. I, you know, I... I gained the belief once we got over the line once that we could do it time and time again. Um, unfortunately, the team broke up very quickly from winning those trophies. Um, but this is going to be different this time. When we get over this line for the first time, the belief that that will give the players that we've been there, we've seen it, we've done it, we can go and do it again because uh, you don't know how you're going to react in a final until you've played there. Uh, and you don't know how to get over the line until you get over the line. But once you do, the next time you're in the same scenario, you know I've got what it takes to do this. And I feel that this team is so, so close uh, and has been for three or four years to getting that tr first trophy under their belt. And once they do, watch them take off. They will take off and we'll go to another new level. You know, if Champions League final took us to a new level, we're going to go to another new level when we win that first trophy, no matter what trophy it is, because... The winning of the trophy, if you watch Pep Guardiola, I think he won the League Cup, was his first trophy. That's right, yeah. England. Same as Mourinho as well, Mick. Same as Mourinho. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And once you've got that, it gives the players, they can just surge on and win win more and more trophies. And uh, I think this team and the quality we've got, getting over that line is so important for us. Um, and for Pochettino too, because he's such a great manager and a great man, that when he gets over the line, he's going to taste what it's like to win a trophy as a manager and he's going to want to win more and he's going to work harder and uh, and develop even more to make this team to, to feel that feeling again of when you lift a trophy. Because trust me, guys, there's no feeling like it when you're holding that trophy aloft and you think <laughs> back to when you were a little schoolboy and you dreamt of winning a trophy and here you are standing with that trophy above your head. It gives you the confidence, the belief that there's nothing beyond you and that's what will happen to this team and this manager. Oh, mate, you get me excited again. After all that heartbreak yeah. in the Champions League final, I've got to try and raise myself again after that. I hope you're right, Mick. Listen, for this man as well, from Maurizio, as much as I want to see Tottenham win it, I want it to be one for him as well. He's put so much work into this squad. And, you know, the way as fans, we love him and we feel for him. And those scenes of the Champions League final, as much as that hurt us, it does make you want it that bit more. But you just think, how many more times I keep getting hurt like this? But it is Tottenham. <laughs> this is what they do to you. I mean, Luce, um, question here from Kicks at Team 91 Kicks. He says, what changes, if any, would you like to see Maurizio make 
ahead of the Olympiacos game. Would you maybe give a debut to Ryan Sessing, for example? Luis, what do you think? I'd like to start as we finished on Saturday. Okay. Um, let's not change it up. Let's just see what happens. I think he's even said how good Aurier was in the um, press conference after the game. Um, it looks like everyone believes in him as well. I think when you put that performance in, they can't not miss him out now. Um, so I think we'll stick. I'd like to stick with how he started it yesterday. But Mickey, quick, quick question after what you just said. What would you do differently if you were Poch? Like, how do you think we could win? Um, well, that's the, the most difficult thing, question that you ever have to answer as a player and as a manager. <laughs> um, but you have to do it as a group. Um, you know, you're not going to achieve individually. Uh, the great thing about Poch and the thing that I love most about him is his team, 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 team. You know, he, he, he doesn't focus on individuals. He focuses on developing the team as well as the individual. Um, and that's the key to it all. And, and, and at the big moments, at the big moments, you've got, you've got to have a cool head. Um, you know, you, you, I look back to the Champions League final and I think the big moment, the penalty, um, how, did we re, how did we react to that situation? Did we react in the right way? Did Liverpool react in the right way? Because it killed the game. The game was boring. Um, and both teams sort of went into their shells almost. Um, but these things happen in big games and it's how you react to them. Um, you know, in adversity, you find out more about yourself than you do in winning 4-0. Um, when we conceded that penalty, uh, did we respond in the right way? What have we learnt from it? Um, because I feel like um, it somehow knocked the stuffing out of us. Yeah. Um, and we never really looked like getting back. Although we dominate possession, we never looked like getting back in the game. Um, and you have to learn from it and then add to it for the following time. And I always say that um, when you're in those moments of the biggest games of your season or, or, or your life, um, it comes from within. It comes from deep inside your soul. And um, having been there and, and played in the 84 UEFA Cup final, where we'd lost Glenn Oddle, who was possibly Spurs' best ever footballer. We lost Ozzy Ardiles, who was probably one of the two best ever footballers. Uh, we lost Steve, per uh, Steve Perriman, our captain. We lost Garth Crooks, our goal scorer. And we lost Ray Kemmers, one of the best goals goalkeepers in the world. Um, and the onus was sort of on me to become the midfield playmaker as such because they were lost, losing Glenn and Ozzy. You know, and I, you sort of, before the game, you think and you look deep inside your soul and you say, right, you know, this is down to me. This is not about what the opposition are going to do. It's about what I'm going to do to them. Have I got what it takes to find my best form when it matters the most? Um, and that's what these players have to do. You have to find from deep inside of you your very, very best form when you need it the most. You know, of course we need it in the semi-final. Of course we need it in the quarter-final. But when you're in that final... Every one of you, all 11 of you, have to dig deep. You have to believe. You have to have the confidence to think that you're better than the opponents and it's about what you're going to do to them rather than what they're going to do. Oh, you're going to stop. I never, ever worried about stopping the opposition. I always thought, no, it's about them stopping me. Can they stop me, not me stop them? You know, and that's how we have to believe. We have to believe that we have a right to be there. We are, we are the better team. We're the better players. And we're confident in our own selves, individually and as a team. Uh, and that helps you get over the line, that inner belief, that inner confidence, that inner self-drive that says, I'm, not, I, I'm leaving nothing on this pitch. 
if I lose, I lose because they're better than me. Um, not because I didn't believe, not because I wasn't confident, not because I, I didn't have the ability. I lost because on the day they played better than me. But that's searching deep within your soul. And if you do that, you won't lose many. You yeah. won't lose many. I wish, Mick, and I hope that all the players have the same attitude as you are. Because, I mean, if they did, they're all winners. And that, that's the thing, isn't it, with Tottenham? You, you hope that everyone has that same attitude. But with Maurizio, you do want to believe that the right players now are in that team and everyone is refocused. John, a question here from Campino at Samata Whitehart Lane. He says, what should the starting eleven be in that Champions League opening game? And is Eric Dyer dependable now for you? Interesting one there. Yeah, we've not seen Eric Dyer yet this season. So I'd actually expect Eric Dyer not to start on, on Wednesday night, but actually start at Colchester the following Tuesday night. Um, I expect to see 11 changes for that Colchester game more so than I do for this fixture against Olympiacos. I think we want to go full strength for, as in what we saw start or finish the game on Saturday against Olympiacos um, and just you know go out there and try and get the job done and use that Colchester game as an opportunity to give some of the youngster players, the likes of Troy Parrott, Jaffet Tanganga, Harvey White, an opportunity to come into the first team alongside those that haven't had many minutes yet, like the likes of Ben Davis, Victor Wanyama, Eric Dyer, Oliver Skip, etc. Um, so I'd sort of look at the games like that, if I'm being honest. OK, interesting. Right, it is prediction time. Mick, because you exude the confidence, I am going to come to you first. What are you going for ahead of the game on Wednesday? Spurs win 3-1. There you go. 3-1 Spurs win. Luce, you said you're a bit nervous going into this one. What are you going to give us? Well, I honestly was going to say 3-1 as well. So um, I went in with 3-1 yesterday and I think we're going to go 3-1 on Wednesday. Are we just copying Mick because we know he's got the winning lottery numbers for Wednesday? Yeah, Is that what it's about? <laughs> <laughs> John, are you going to follow trend? Are you going to change it up for us? What are you going for? No, I'm going for a much tighter game than that. I'm going for 2-1 to Tottenham. OK, John, I'm going to join you. I'm also going to say 2-1. We've got a big week in store. But first, Mick, we have to say, um, you have been doing something new recently. Can you enlighten us as to what you've been doing and direct us as to where we can find the new stuff you have been doing, Mick? Yeah, well, I've, I've sort of been doing it for quite a while, but I've not been doing it on on um, within my own uh, as my own business. Uh, but a few weeks ago, I set up as my own business, an events business doing uh, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club Legends Nights. Um, I've got my first event coming up on December the 12th, the day after the Bayern Munich game. Um, I've got five cup-winning captains of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club spanning 45 years Blimey. and f 15 trophies as my first Christmas dinner. Christmas dinner with Ledley King, Gary Mabbott, Steve Perryman, Graham Roberts and Alan Mulry. Um uh, at uh, Honest Grove, uh, just outside Tottenham. And it's going to be an amazing night. Um, and it's the first of many. So looking forward to it. Um, you, can con you can find details of it on Echo. I've called my events night Echoes of Glory Nights. Is that Echoes of Glory on Twitter as well? Make that same tag handle. E Echoes Glory on Twitter. Echoes of Glory Nights is the website. And Echoes of Glory Nights on Facebook. Perfect. Guys, go and get those tickets because I tell you what, when it's, you know, captains that have won trophies at our football club and spanning back all those years, so many stories, Mick, I presume, on the night as well are going to be told. It's going to oh, be a fascinating night. They only won 15 trophies all between them. <laughs> just the 15, Mick, yeah? Yeah, just the 15. Look, we're not really these days. We take one. Will we lose at the moment with the way things are going? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I win the FA Cup this year. <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? I know it's you 100% was... happening, by the way. Do you reckon, Luz? Definitely this year, yeah? Yeah, 100% FA Cup is ours. Luz is calling it September, <laughs> FA Cup is coming. Mick, I know you spoke to Chris Cowanen on the weekend because it's funny, yes. Chris, we have him on our show regular all the time. We have this massive debate about trophy top four. I know you told Chris that the trophies are coming and you care about these domestic clubs. You're promising us Maurice is going to take these competitions seriously this time around. Not that he doesn't, but team selection-wise, we're expecting to see you know some stronger team selections maybe this coming season. Well, as we've already touched on throughout the show, is that, you know, Winning, getting over the line has to start somewhere. Now, you can say, OK, I'll focus on the Champions League, but that's one incredibly difficult trophy to win. That's it. And you might win it, as we nearly did last year, but it's so much more harder. Um, the Premier League's very difficult to win. So um, throw everything into the FA Cup and the League Cup. Um, get get yourselves over the line, win, win them, and that'll lead to the Champions League in, in, maybe this year, maybe next year, you know. Get over the line gives you the belief to get over the line in the Champions League too. Yeah, agree with that one. And John, we've got a big week coming up because we've got a show on Patreon. Um, tell us, John, what is in store for that show this week as well? Yes, we've got another massive youth show and an update to do, Rick. There's been a whole host of games for the, the younger sides this weekend. And we've also got the first Youth Champions League game to uh, talk about, which will be against Olympiakos on Wednesday in Greece. That'll be Ryan Mason's first game captain in the under-18s or under-19s that they are in this competition. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully Spurs' youth team can also get a win out in Greece. Yeah. And John, also, we must give a massive shout out to that show we did last week with Tim Vickery. How good was that having Tim on to discuss a lot about the Argentinian lads at the football club? I came away from that just thinking, what a life Tim has, you know, living out in, <laughs> in Argentina, watching all these games. And, you know, he just was a great guy. And it was a really, really... Uh, Thought intellectual sort of a podcast that, that left me, you know, just wanting to hear more from Tim, actually. Yeah. So it was a real pleasure to, to share an audience with him. And, and hopefully we get some more luck with uh, with having Tim back on in the future. Almost certainly. Yeah. Again, guys, if you want to find our patron content, you just go to www.patreon.com forward slash last word on Spurs. You know, we've got the shows with the youth on there. We've got feature podcasts, loads of top, top guests coming up. So go and check out that content. It's you know, really, really starting to heat up on there. So, fantastic. I've got to say, Luce, it's been a pleasure having you back on. And please, let's make it happen again this season, Luce. Yeah, sorry. Yesterday took it out of me, uh, 4-0. So, I've been a bit tired today. So, uh, <laughs> sorry about the slowness. I'm blaming the lack of air con, Luce, at that stadium. We've got to sort that out. We have a word inside, yeah? What we, what, who, can we, who can we talk to? Can we talk to, to Mickey? Mickey, can we sort the air con out for Luce? OK, I'll have a word with uh, Daniel. <laughs> Yes, please. And uh, give Joe a call as well, see what he can do. Yeah. Just get him to turn it up, Mick. You know, just must be a, must be a dial somewhere on that stadium, surely. Yeah, OK. I'll, I'll turn it up without asking. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. John, thank you for coming back on. Always a pleasure. We're talking midweek, of course, John. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, Rick. Thanks again. And it's been a real uh, pleasure to be on tonight, sharing the audience with Lucy and Mick and yourself. And uh, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Mick, thank you for a wonderful hour. It's been fun. Stories. Oh, it's brilliant having you, Mick. Again, we've got to make it happen again this season. Yeah, anytime you want. My pleasure. You are a star. Well, guys, big show to come. Hope you enjoy it. A reminder that we're also back on Love Sport Radio this coming Thursday to review, hopefully, Tottenham Hotspur's first win in the Champions League this season. Beat Olympiacos. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the show. We are back on Thursday for Love Sport. And as always, come on, you Spurs.
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.